Stay tuned for Love Talk with the Love Lady. Evelyn Davison, Carrie Brinkater, and Kathy Enderbrock are talking about going back to school and loving kids on the front line. Thank you, Gavin. It is a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Hello, listeners. This is Coach Carrie Brinkater, and you have found the Love Ladies. Thank you for joining us today on Love Talk. We are building bridges of love and leadership. And in studio today, my beautiful friend, Kathy Indebrock. Hey, Kat. Hey, Carrie. It is great to be here. And we have a very special guest. But more important than our very special guest is our very important friend who has not been with us all summer and is back with us now. Evelyn Davison, Yay. the First Lady of Love. <laughs> first Lady of Love. You. I love that First Lady of Love. You know, <laughs> it is an exciting time in life when you get close to being 90 years old. So I, I counted out the days last week. I am 15 months and I will be 90 years old. Oh, and, Ms. you know, Evelyn. when you look at life, not for what you have right now, but what God has prepared for you, sure is lots of fun. Sometimes it's painful, but it is a lot of fun. Of course, it it was a full summer uh, with healthy t- issues, and we've got most of those under control now, and things are looking better. And I'm just so glad to be back with you girls. I tell you what, I have prayed for y'all more than anybody ever prayed for you in your life. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, I was afraid you all would quit. <laughs> oh, gosh. No, the, the level of joy in the studio has been raised immensely. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, and, Miss Evelyn, you just look great. You you are just the picture of sunshine, S-O-N shine and you really it's it's an absolute joy for you to be here today uh, joining well, us in you. studio you know when you look uh, at where you are and where you want to be and where you have been it's a full-time job <laughs> you know look when you're beginning to evaluate those things and so it is a good time in our life we are thrilled to be here and be able to continue this and uh, in just a few weeks We'll be celebrating 35 years of constant love talk in in Austin, Texas, and across the state. That is an achievement. That you know, it's so funny because getting ready for today, I'm you know just praying over the show and praying for my friends, and I'm thinking I cannot wait to see Evelyn. And you know, but I know that it's been a, a rough summer, and here you walk in like straight out of a Nordstrom catalog, yes, <laughs> absolutely gorgeous, breath of fresh air, straight out of God's word, and I just think, oh my gosh, I thought I had missed you, but we really mm-hmm. missed. Yeah, well, we got lots of good uh, good comments and applications. And, um, you know, when you come to a point sometime in life and you realize this is the way life is, uh, you have to live it the way it is. And so we've done that this summer. And I had uh, two major um, surgical procedures. Uh, I have um, a tumor, a cyst in the third and the fourth vertebra. And so sitting is the number one thing I cannot do for very long is I have to, you know, stand and and shake a little bit. So anyway, <laughs> <laughs> anyway it's a lot of fun. I am thrilled to be here and I thank you gals so much. Y'all are just absolutely top of the chart and so many good reports and and I get to answer those by phone. They call me on that love line and good. and it is so exciting to see what God's doing here at this session. Well, we have had such a fun time. You know, this summer we've done this series on a day in the life of a disciple and we've learned a bit about being a disciple mm-hmm. ourselves, being a witness for Christ, and we've met these amazing people that are 
just sharing what God is doing in their lives, what God has done in their lives. Um, They share it through books, through their work, through their message, through going out and doing missions. It's so incredible. And so today, friends, you know, we're thinking about all of you who are out there and a day in your life. And for all of those of you with children and grandchildren, you know, it is back to school time. So we've arranged a very special guest to help prepare us for back to school time. And, you know, whether you are a student, a parent, a grandparent, back to school time, it, it brings changes. And sometimes we get so busy with the demands of our new schedules, we begin to get overwhelmed, overloaded, and maybe a bit disconnected from all of those we love. And we may not realize our sweet children, our sweet grandchildren, our nieces and nephews, they become overwhelmed and feel disconnected as well. And, you know, sometimes we think that the demands that are placed on youth, they seem so easy compared to the demands placed on adults. And sometimes we think that coping for them is just really not difficult because their problems are small, but that's just not the case. And so we have an expert with us in studio today uh, to talk with us about maintaining loving communication with our children, how to check in, stay connected, how to be aware of warning signs that things may not be going well, maybe how to preemptively deal with some anxiety and stress and, and difficulties. Because just as we need to be aware of our children's physical health, we need to be aware of our children's mental health. Mm-hmm. So, and today our scripture, we, the key verse that we're anchoring today's program in is share each other's troubles and problems. In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. And there's, and that's from Galatians 6, 2, and there's a really great a version of that in um, the, the ESV, and it's bear one another's burdens, and in doing so, fulfill the law of Christ. He has called us to share each other's problems and troubles and to really bear one another's burdens. And it has been a full summer. Um, Carrie, I really want to hear a little bit about what's going on in your summer. I do want to get to our special guest, but tell us what have you been, I mean, it's been a crazy summer for you, very unexpected. It's been very unexpected. The verse is so applicable, bear one another's burdens. I spent um, over a month in Houston with my mom and dad. Uh, My dad um ended up uh, going to meet Jesus this mm. summer just uh, a couple of weeks ago. And uh, my parents have been married 53 years uh, on a, this coming week. And my mom had been caring for my dad um, probably way, probably too long, you know, to where it was dangerous for both of them physically um, and really taking a toll on my mom mentally and physically but you know what she wouldn't have had it any other way and neither would my daddy so I was so thankful every day that I was able to be there Mm -hmm. and come alongside the two of them to support them help my mom make decisions um, as we had to put dad in the hospital and all the things that went along with that I I tell you what was such a blessing um, speaking of day in the life of a disciple my dad was a good man. He was kind and generous. He had impeccable character. And most of all, he loved Jesus. And he just showed that joy 
in everything he did. If you knew my dad, the first thing you said was that smile. I mean, it was so big. And so at his funeral, I was able to talk a little bit about my dad, mm-hmm. his character, his his joy. And then I just shared the plan of salvation because that's what my dad would have wanted. And, oh, what a blessing for me to be able to do that, to just to just glorify my dad and just know that he was with Jesus, but yet share the plan of salvation because um, he had some groups of friends that I, I, I know people in those groups uh, don't know Jesus. So, you know, I, we grieve here on earth uh, because we miss him and that smile and those bear hugs and my mom misses him, you know, just trips to the grocery store hard and day-to-day things are hard, but we know he's with Jesus and that we'll see him again. So bearing one another's burdens has been um, big for for me this summer, and I'm so grateful uh, that I had the time to do that. So, so back in studio today um, with my beautiful friends. Now, Kathy, you just sent your daughter to college. Mm-hmm. We literally dropped her off at Baylor. We we went in Wednesday this past week and helped set up the dorm room. And, you know, Eric flew down with me from Idaho. And so we got to set up her dorm room. We got to go and do another tour of the campus and just have a lot of fun. And my mom and dad drove all the way up from New Mexico to do this with us so that they could kind of see Ali off to college as well. And Thursday night, there was a big family picnic. And at the end of the picnic, they whisked Aliyah away. And she just, you know, they had a super fun night planned for her. So we know it's going to be a, a big loss in our family, feel pretty empty and I'm okay with crying it up. Like, I'm like, okay, I am going to cry. If I'm brushing my teeth and I feel like crying, I'm going to let myself cry. And I, you know, I I agree with you. There's so much joy in this. Baylor is an incredible university. I've had the privilege of being her mom for the last 18 years. Such, you know, just a really incredible child. And now it's it's time where she gets to go and do, you know, really pursue the plans that God has for her. And we get to start to see some of those plans really unfold. And so I'm excited about that. But it's okay to feel the loss. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's okay to grieve that loss and knowing that we can trust God moving forward. And I always remember this verse. God says, blessed are those who mourn. So I'm like, bless me, Lord. I am going to let you bless me because I am going to mourn this, and you can bless me all the more. So, You know, that is so exciting. Uh, when I think about uh, being mournful, you know, I think about my joy drug. <laughs> you know, when it, it begins to uh, get holes in it, leaks in it, Oh, it's just so wonderful to go back to the good times, uh, the, the times that that we know their life has been um, uh, blessed, mm-hmm. and that we're able to bless others. And so, you know, that's that's kind of what Love Talk's all about. As I said, we've done, uh, we'll celebrate 35 years, and I'm excited, girls, about what God's going to do. Well, Absolutely. Carrie, I really want to get our guest introduced before we go mm-hmm. to break. We have just about a minute and a half before we go to break. Okay, friends, this is who we have for you today. We have uh, Sarah Teasdale. She is a licensed clinical mental health counselor with 37 years of experience. She has been the executive director of three mental health agencies. She has given seminars and taught college classes on mental health. Uh, She has created programs helping families deal with and heal from family violence. 
She was recently an expert on an expert panel addressing teen suicide awareness and treatment. Uh, she has developed an overcoming anxiety and depression interactive download uh, through Let's Pray Today Ministries. She has seen a multitude of success stories throughout her career, lots of hope and good news that she has to share with us. Welcome to Love Talk, Sarah. Hello, Sarah. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me today. It's just a real pleasure being with all of you. Well, what Kathy didn't tell you, listeners, is that this is Kathy's mom. (laughs) That's true. See, now you know why I'm so well-adjusted, because I've grown up with 37 years of my own personal, like, private health physician living right in my house. Well, when we return to Love Talk, we will hear more from Sarah Teasdale as we talk about um, mental health and going back to school and what that means for our kids when we return to Love Talk right after this. And welcome back. This is Kathy Enderbrock in studio on Love Talk with KTXW Austin The Bridge. We have Coach Carrie Brinkader and the beautiful First Lady of Love, Ms. Evelyn Davison. We have a very special uh, guest in studio, our expert of the day to help us talk through loving our children and teens on the front lines. Mrs. Sarah Teasdale, thank you so much for being with you with us today on Love Talk. Also, listeners, my mom. <laughs> so, Logan, we're so so excited to talk with you today, walking us through mental health issues that we see in our children, some that we miss, how not to miss them, how to open these lines of communication. Such a great program, helping us get ready for this back-to-school time mm-hmm. that can be very, very hectic. And we have a, a question that Evelyn always opens with when we have our guests and I'm preparing production notes I know this is the question that we always open with with each of our guests Sarah we know you and uh, <laughs> you know you've got our heart just uh, wrapped around your all your wisdom and good things uh, but the audience really uh, today would like to know you a little better can you tell us how you came to know the love and the goodness and the kindness of the Lord Jesus in your life. How old were you and how did that happen? Uh, thank you for that question, Evelyn. Um, I was 23. I was already an adult when I came to know the Lord. I was raised in a Jewish family, an Orthodox Jewish family. And um, so I was taught that Jesus was a real person, a real historical person. He was a deceiver. Um, he was... Um, born of a prostitute. He was illegitimate. Mm -hmm. And um, he was he was not a good person. Jews believe that the Messiah is still to come. And so he claimed he claimed to be God and he was not God. There's only one God. The Jews have a saying, Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one which is out of Deuteronomy. And that Christians believed in a Father, a Son, and a Holy Spirit, which are three gods, and therefore they are idol worshippers. And that's what I grew up with. And then when I was 23, and I came on the door, and I was living in a place where there wasn't a synagogue even 100 miles from us, and um, the fellow said, hi, I'm Max Weir. I'm the pastor of Meeker Bible Church down the street. I'd like to give you a track and invite you to church. 
And I said, thank you very much. And I took the tract and I closed the door after he left and I threw it in the trash. And the next week he was there, knock, knock, knock. And Hi, Max Weir. Um, I didn't notice, I noticed you weren't at church today. <laughs> okay, that happened four weeks in a row. And so finally I said, Pastor Weir, you're never going to see me in your church. Because I believe, I'm Jewish, and I believe you guys are idol worshipers. We worship the one true God. And he said, didn't you know that the Trinity is an Old Testament doctrine? Well, I was raised on the Old <laughs> Testament, so I said, show me. So he came in, and he opened his Bible to Genesis, and he started showing me. And he proved to me that the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit were in the Old Testament. And since the Son was in the Old Testament, he showed me the Messiah was the, was the Son because I knew the Messianic Scriptures, and he pointed them out to me. Now, we believe that the New Testament was history, but not canon. So he could show me how these Old Testament prophecies were fulfilled in the New Testament who the Messiah was going to be, where he was going to be born, where he would come from, that he'd come out of Egypt, that he'd be a Nazarene, that all of these things that just led up to the only person in history that could possibly have been the Messiah of the Jews was Jesus of Nazareth. And so I became a Christian. How did your family receive that? Uh, Very, very badly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I was pretty much an outcast. They didn't bury me. Mm like Orthodox Jews often did. They did not bury me, but I became a guest so that when we were over visiting and the ladies got up after dinner and went and fixed and and cleaned up the kitchen and like that, I would sit in the living room. Mm. I would be a guest. I was definitely outside the family. And, um, And then after I was baptized, that was the end of it. I've totally lost contact with most of the family. However... My immediate family, mother, father, grandma, sisters, all became Christians. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. So the Lord blessed that way. Absolutely. How how long ago was that? I was 23, so that was, I'm 79, (laughs) so (laughs) a long time ago, 100 years in the galaxy, far, far away. (laughs) I count them, too. (laughs) Wow! So you, you know, our life just it just, it floats on that principle that the Lord Himself loved us enough that He came. You know, He didn't send a messenger, but He came and wrote it on our hearts. And gosh, it is just wonderful to hear you tell that story. And I know Kathy is. Uh, we've talked about it a lot, and it, it, we're just so thrilled to have you here. Absolutely. <laughs> well, as a young person, you stepped out on faith in, in, a, in a new faith for you in Jesus Christ right. um, and probably brought on some mental health issues just having to talk to your family about what you now believed to be truth. Right. Um, and you have since become an expert in this field. And, and, you know, Sarah, recently, just in recent days, we've heard, we hear so much about the increase of mental health issues and problems in children. Is this real? And can children actually have mental health problems? 
Oh, of course. They have a brain and they have a body. They get the flu, they get depressed. Mm -hmm. You know, we all have mental health problems. It's just that now we're beginning to study them where Mm -hmm. before they were just ignored. But mental health problems are common, and the Bible is full of them. Um, Rebecca and Solomon and Elijah and Job and Jonah and Paul and Jesus and King David. We've got evidence of all of them having mental health problems. Rebecca said, I I hate twice. I hate my life Mm -hmm. because of these Hittite women that Esau's married. Mm -hmm. And, um, And Solomon in Ecclesiastes Everything is emptiness. Everything is emptiness. And Elijah, under the tree, I just want to die. After after calling down fire. Mm-hmm. And what God said to him is, I down under this tree. I will feed you. You rest. And did all the good things that we're supposed to do when we're having mental health problems. So mm. um, children, of course, have mental health problems. And, and when now that it's going back to school time, they're going to be experiencing stressors that they haven't had over the summer. And stresses are usually the cause of mental health problems. So um, the causes that they're um, having, you know, the, the things that have to do with, with school. So they'll be under more stress now. What, what is the major cause of um, this in children's uh, in their lives in while they are in school, you know. Um, well, there's a multiplicity. Just Multiple. anything that causes stress. So school and social presser, mm-hmm. pressure, grades, you know, fitting in with friends, um, and especially if it's a big change. We'll be talking later about changes. Um, so if they're coming to a new school, that's going to be more stress. Um, balancing homework and the social life. Um, fads. Um, and now on teenagers, there's th- this new thing that it's not good for your legs to touch at the top, my mm. granddaughter told me. And so that can trigger that can trigger um, eating disorders if they take it really seriously. I've heard of that. What is it called? No thigh gap. They, they, want, they want a thigh gap. If you yes. don't have a thigh gap, then it's not pretty somehow. Yes. Is that ridiculous? That, that is ridiculous. ridiculous. Yeah, that's but they don't know time. it's ridiculous, and if it's not ridiculous to their peers, then it's not ridiculous to them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's more logic, right? You know, you measure, right. and if this doesn't fall in the crack, well, then you move on to the next. Step. Right. So you, you so you address it with health mm-hmm. healthy things. Okay. So you don't want a thigh gap. So let's do thigh exercises. Let's do. Let's not stop eating. Let's do thigh <laughs> exercises. Let's make sure we're not eating junk foods. Let's, you know, let's help. Go walking with us in the evening. <laughs> okay, so when, when, you, when you're saying these solutions, it sounds to me, how do you, you're talking about how to cope with this, with these messages that yeah. their peers are giving them. And, and I right. will say, you know, sometimes, especially when the girls were very little and they would come home and say, you know, be sniffly because, uh, yeah. Cynthia passed a note to Johnny that said um, he didn't, you know, she didn't like the way my hair was today. And I would think, well, honey, that shouldn't, I said, everybody's always going to say stuff negative about you and everybody's always going to say stuff 
positive about you. You can't be concerned with that, so let's not worry about that. And I would think, okay, that's done because this is a little problem. There's really no coping necessary. It's just a little problem. And so when you look at your kiddos and you go, well, these are just little problems, how can they really cause stress or anxiety or mental disorders because they're so easy to cope with. But that's just a myth, right? That's that's right. Because just like first grade is really hard for first graders, second grade is just as hard for the second grader as the high school kids' freshman year is in high school. So as you grow, these things that we have to cope with are as serious to us as they are when we're growing up. Like coping with applying to colleges is really, really difficult, but coping with doing your first math homework is also really, really difficult. Well, and I would think that kids with different personalities, you know, I look at my own two kids and I've got one that's uh, more of a talker and one that's more, you know, that's that's an introvert. And I'd, I'd like to discuss that when we turn to break, because I feel like, uh, you know, some kids who may have a tendency to hold things back might right. be ones that we need to really take notice of and what what they are holding back and what stressors and pressures they're dealing with. Right. When we return to Love Talk, we'll have more with Sarah Teasdale here uh, as we discuss loving our children and our teens on the front lines right right here on Love Talk. Hello, friends, and welcome back to today's Christian Talk. You have found the love ladies here on Love Talk. Coach Carrie Brinkader here with Kathy Enderbrock and the First Lady of Love, love Miss Evelyn Davison. So good to have you back, Miss Evelyn. And we are here in studio with a very special guest, Sarah Teasdale, as we discuss loving our children and teens on the front lines. You know, I look back over my life, and I look at people in my life, my like even my grandmother, um, she lost her husband when she was in her 50s. And she kind of grew up in this uh, mode of thinking that she should just pull herself up by her bootstraps. Yeah, and, you know, right. she couldn't be sad. And, and man, that was not <laughs> what she needed to do. I, I look back on those years, all those years of her sadness and depression and think, goodness, we should have, we should have, made her reach out for help. It just was not in her nature. And so I'm so thankful we're talking about this today, specifically in in relationship to, to our children, um, because we just think, oh, they're kids. That's just a little problem. But that that's a kid-sized problem. That's right. And I've always told my kids, they'll ask me about things. I'm like, you know what? That's an adult issue, and that's an adult problem. And when you're able to handle adult issues and adult problems, then we'll talk about that. But for now, um, let's talk about kid issues and kid problems, and let's look at that. And so there, there are things that our children struggle with that might seem silly to us. But I also think there's probably a correlation in personality types. You know, um, I've got I've got uh, two extremes in my house. I've got one ultimate ultimate extrovert and one ultimate introvert. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I, you know, introverts typically have trouble expressing feelings and emotions, and may not even know how to identify those feelings and emotions, or they might want to hide them. Um, Do you see that this, that there might be some correlation with struggling with issues and problems as we look at personality types? 
Yes. Um, children, all children have to be taught to both identify and cope with feelings. And oftentimes I will tell parents to just go on the Internet and get a list of feelings. Mm. And if the, your children is young enough, um, get a get the faces, you know, the smiley faces and the sad faces mm-hmm. and the surprised faces. And teach them. Sit down and talk about feelings and give them that feeling thing because... Today, you can feel a lot of negative feelings and a lot of positive feelings. So highlight, sweetheart, all the feelings that you felt today. And they'll highlight just bunches. Because if they feel them all at once, they're going to be feeling confused. Okay, (laughs) But as soon as they start picking out the things, then all of that confusion kind of melts away because you can say... I feel upset because, or I feel overwhelmed because. And that way you are talking about feelings and what to do about them. Then we can share. And it is harder for introverts to identify their feelings. And so you can teach both introverts and extroverts. Extroverts will have a tendency to purposefully hide their feelings Mm -hmm. where introverts Mm -hmm. will just never talk about them Mm. but if you get them to talk about them people like to talk about themselves even kids (laughs) (laughs) well i can assume that probably extroverts think that they should feel happy all the time that's correct right and so they are going to want to hide those negative emotions and just pretend like things are fine right my boys were so different and and there was a wide uh, age span between them uh but i early on i I came to realize how important it is to decide for yourself, have I allowed this to, to you know, take control of my life, or is it something I'm working on with the Lord? Right. Uh, one of the things that we did, Ben and I did with our boys, at the end of every week, we would sit down at the table, and Ben would say, what is the thing that you will remember most this week? Mm. And if it's a bad experience or something, we'd work on it. Uh, sometimes they don't know themselves what it is. Uh, and That's true. It, and it's so important not to feed the wrong thing. <laughs> yes, yes, that that is true. That is true. It is important not to feed the wrong thing. And children, if they've had a bad, if their friend has, all of a sudden, there are three girls that are friends, and then the third one is out, and, and the third one is yours, and she comes home and she says, I've had a terrible day. <laughs> Nothing has gone right. So then you say, okay, I understand it. It has just been awful. But but, but was there one good thing that you enjoyed today? Did you like that candy bar I put in your snack? You know, is is there anything good that happened today? Anything that felt good? Because you've got to teach them that. Good things and bad things happen every single day. I'd, we'd ask our boys, what will you remember? And our great-grandkids, what will you remember most about this week? Ah, And if perfect. it's a bad experience, you know, the turkey didn't get whatever, <laughs> uh, it's easy for them to identify, or we feel that way, because our boys are so totally different in personality. Mm-hmm. One is, you know, high-powered move, and the other one is over here sleeping on, on watch. So it is hard. For them to do it by themselves, and they do especially need some 
ways to bring that on the table. That's correct. So, you know, we've talked a bit about, you know, just engaging in communication with our, our children about talking about their day, both the positive parts of their day, the negative parts of their day, helping them to identify their emotions, starting to develop those coping behaviors that they have so that we can a child that knows how to cope successfully in the first grade is going to be prepared to cope in the second grade. That's um, and so a, a healthy, a mentally healthy child who can cope with the good and the bad is going to grow into an adult that can cope with the good and the That's bad. That's correct. I, I always tell myself, Kathy, if you are waiting for life to get easy in order to be happy, you will never be happy, right? So, <laughs> that is so now, true. Can you tell us when when we want when we're talking about mental health problems, if if you can just kind of define that for us and 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 what we can do as parents to help uh, prevent that? I mean, we we always want to talk preventative, right? First, um, we're going to talk about how to address it when you have identified it, but but those key preventative measures for mental health issues within our children how what what would you say to that um what would i say to that okay i there's two questions how do you identify what if they have a mental health problem you look at two things first has there been any big change in their life Mm -hmm. or their best friend's life recently I mean, is their best friend's parent getting a divorce? Are they going to a new school? Um, Have they changed from middle school to high school? Are there any big changes in their life? Now, for what you are going to look for, because you can have a change at the beginning of the semester and not see anything happening until the end of the semester, because sometimes it doesn't get really identified okay so if they're sleeping too much or they can't sleep anything really the change in the personality if they're having crying spells if they've gone from a mild kid to having anger outbursts and lots of irritability if there there's been any significant weight loss or weight gain Mm -hmm. Um, if they've abandoned any of their favorite pastimes for instance if jordan ever decided she didn't want to ride horses anymore jordan's my granddaughter <laughs> and she's passionate <laughs> about horses then you think "Uh oh i'm going to have to look back and see what 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 things this semester have happened big changes that might have caused stress um now how do you the main thing that you do to teach them to cope with it is that you have really good coping skills yourselves you have a good marriage it's solid you talk to each other. You have disagreements, not not shouting fights, but disagreements in front of them so that you show them that conflict can be managed and you can solve problems. You talk about things with each other. You have a really healthy, because a healthy lifestyle style solves a lot of things. You teach them that they have to have good sleep patterns. They've got to get eight or nine hours of sleep at night. They have to eat right. No junk food or occasional junk food. Moderation. <laughs> moderation. Everything in moderation. Um, and you um, you have good communication and you have regular exercise. So exercise, eat right, sleep right, exercise, 
and communicate. Those are the four things. If you do all those things, the kids will be able to cope with anything. Sarah, I love how you said, you know, have a, if you're going to have a disagreement with your spouse, have a disagreement out in the open. I love a story that Kathy tells. Um, I, Kathy, I don't even remember when this was. I think it was when you were came, you came back to Georgetown to get your house ready, and you said to me one day, Eric and I are a little cross with one another right now, and like, <laughs> y- you were bit, saying yeah. this like in front of Eric, it was me, <laughs> you, and Eric, Eric and I are a little cross with you, and I thought, that is hilarious, like, I, I don't know if I would say that to my friend, like, um, Ashley and I are a little cross with each other right now, that would make me more cross, but you handled it so beautifully, and I thought, how refreshing is this? Yeah. Okay, they're a little cross with one another, but they can still interact like decent human beings That's and right. solve this problem. So I'm sure your children are very well adjusted um, because <laughs> that was just, it was so refreshing to hear that. Um, and, and I love how you said that, Sarah. It's okay. Like, show your kids that things can be resolved in a logical right. and very kind manner, um, and it's a give and take. Yes, don't cope in secret in front of your kids. <laughs> <laughs> you cope in front of your kids. Don't cope in secret. Don't cope in secret. Okay. So Excellent. it's neat. I mean, basically, coping skills are learned. We, right. It is not kind of in our DNA to know how to cope with all of these problems. And I love that, you know, you, at the very beginning of the program, in our, I think it was our first segment or the beginning of our second segment, you talked about all of these biblical examples of these characters that God introduces over and over and over that struggled with anxiety or dis, uh, depression. And, uh, and he walks us through how they came to health, how they were able to come to a place where they experienced joy and they could yes. function. And and so we're not saying that good mental health means you never feel stressed. Good That's mental right. health means that you can experience the stress and you can cope with it well and you can experience the joy that God has for you because God doesn't want us going through this life miserable. He, he, he intends for us to go through this life joy-filled. Friends, mm-hmm. we have one segment left. There is so much that we want to talk about. We want your life to be joy-filled. We're going to talk about that in the fourth segment. We're going to hear from our amazing sponsors. Stay with us, and we'll be, more, we'll be back with Love Talk right after this. Hello, friends, and welcome back to today's Christian Talk and Love Talk here with the Love Ladies. We are loving our children and teens on the front lines. We're we're talking about mental health today, friends, a a very, very important topic. What I've come to realize uh, is that at some point in all of our lives, we're all going to need help with something. We are struggling mentally with something. And, you know, it might be something that, that seems a small but yet it is just gnawing at us, and our children deal with the same things. What I, what I learned, friends, uh, through my experience as a college coach, when I first started coaching back in the 90s, I felt like kids came in, they coped well, they kind of handled their own problems, they went and talked to professors, and then as the years progressed, especially um, in the early 2010s or so earlier, um, I, I noticed that my students were coming in, more frequently not able to cope. Um, Just they had a hard time going and talking to a professor about a problem. They had a hard time managing their time between academics and social and, and blowing money, not able to manage their resources, but really just kind of this 
line attached to their ear talking to their mom or dad on the phone all the time because they couldn't navigate on their own. Um, and I just called it the inability to cope. I didn't know right. what else to call it, but that's what it was. Sarah, are you seeing this more often? And how can we equip our kids to have these coping skills? I think, um, like I said last time, you can equip your kid with coping skills by helping them identify and cope with their feelings Mm -hmm. and also by having a good, healthy relationship at home where you um, pay attention to um, healthy eating, healthy sleeping, healthy exercise, lots of fun, um, those sorts of things. There are four things that children, if if they they know things in these categories, they will be able to cope. The first one is personal skills. Don't send them off to college without them knowing how to fix things in the microwave at least (laughs) and eat healthy. Um, They have to have academic skills. And all of these are... They have to be together, so they have to be able to keep their room clean, sort of, (laughs) um, be able to do their laundry and cook something that they can eat. Um, Kathy has her kids fixed dinner once once a week. Um, They have to be able to have, let's see, personal skills, um, academic skills. They've got to be able to do their homework every night as well as keep the personal skills up. They have to have social skills. They've got to be able to make and keep friends and have a social life. And then they have to have financial skills. They have to be able to manage money, keep a job, even if it's um, babysitting. And um, if they have all four of those skills, they'll be able to leave home and adapt to all those things as they get more complex in their life. Ah, fantastic. All right, I've got those written down. I'm going to make sure my kids know. They do their own laundry. I think we're lacking in the cooking area, though. For sure. <laughs> cooking area. Yeah, well, it's so easy just you think, I'm just going to go out and buy fast food. But you do. They have mm-hmm. to learn how to cook something, buy the groceries, look at the recipe, buy the groceries, prepare right. the food, and then clean up after it. That's right. Yes. And I think, all, you know, we're so focused on how are they doing socially? How are they doing with their friends? We allow that so those social skills to eclipse everything mm-hmm. else. And we have to be able to have them look at those the financial skills, the, the those personal skills as well. So, okay, I, this is a question I really want to get to because it, it, it is so important. And, you know, we have had this in our extended family, this issue of teen suicide. And, you know, we sometimes we hear about it and we think it's kind of on the, the periphery. We wonder, is it really a big problem or does it only happen in really broken homes where you know that we have absentee parents and so we want to make sure we never get to that that point you know where where you know our our teenager is 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 uh contemplating or attempting suicide but is can you talk to us is teen suicide really a big problem does it it does it affect christian families as much as more secular families, and and are are boys and girls equally kind of affected by it? Um, Okay, that's several questions. All right, now, in the United States, um, 31% of children um, um, attempt suicide. In Texas, it's a little bit 
higher. It's 34%. Um, actually, they did a study in Texas and found that one in eight children in Texas um, attempted suicide. Mm. Now, attempting suicide, everybody thinks of suicide. Everybody has a day where they wish they didn't have to wake up in the morning. Okay. But um, attempting suicide is a little bit, is, is much more serious. However, three times more girls will attempt suicide than boys. But three times more boys will complete suicide than girls. The reason for that is they use more lethal means. You know, girls will use pills or they'll scratch their wrists or they'll do something like that while a boy will take a motorcycle and run it into a wall. So that's, um, that's much more different. Um, if your child begins to... You can see they're depressed, and um, they say something like, um, oh, I wish I didn't have to wake up in the morning. Then you say, oh, are you thinking about dying? Well, yeah. Well, are you thinking about killing yourself? Well, maybe. I mean, you have to... First, you start talking about ideation. And you want, if you want, write these down. Ideation, plan, intent, means. Because this is what, the minute your kid starts talking about something like that, you want to establish how close they are to actu- an actual attempt. And actually talking about these things does not increase their doing it hmm. or decrease it. So you ask them about, if, do you have a plan for this? Um, well, yeah. Okay, let's talk about it. What is it? Well, I don't want to tell you. Well, you can tell me your plan. doesn't mean you have to do it. There's lots of ways to do it. What's your plan this time? And if they may not have a plan, that's a really good thing. If they do have a plan, then you want to find out if they have the means to carry out that plan. Okay, so you're going to use pills. What pills are you going to use? You don't have any pills. Oh, but mom has some. Mom has some. So you think, okay, do I have pills in there? What kind of pills are they? And um, what does it take? Is there, Are there lethal doses of pills in my house? You know, check and make sure that if you have something in your house that might be lethal, that is locked up. So do they have a plan? Do they have the means? Do they have and an intent? Okay, so um, you've been thinking about it? You have a plan. You have the means. How likely are you going to do, on a scale of 1 to 10, how likely are you going to walk out of this house and do it? Or walk into your bedroom and do it? Or, oh, I don't know, maybe a 2. If it goes above a 5, 
you take them by the hand and you get them to an emergency room and you get them to talk to somebody. You let them know that this is a really serious thing. Well, and I can imagine, Sarah, as I'm thinking of, you know, a parent that might be experiencing this and they're going, I'm not equipped to handle this. I I am not equipped. I, I have to seek help for my child. And um, you know what, parents, you don't have to be equipped. You have to talk. And that's that's a big thing, and we all can do that. Um, And just know that there are places where you can seek help. Kathy, what, 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 um, what would you suggest there? Well, you know, we were talking mom to, with mom earlier, and the best thing to do is to go and Google licensed professional cognitive behavioral Christian therapist. See what comes up. You can you can call helplines. You can interview different therapists. You can try and see what you think is going to be a match. Also, if you think, I have absolutely no money to do this with, a lot of Christian therapists will put you on a sliding scale basis. If you can't afford to pay, you don't pay. If you can afford to pay $15 a session, you can pay $15 a session. And uh, you can go to your local church church and see also if they have a cognitive behavioral Christian therapist on staff or within their Stevens ministry. Um, And it's just reaching out and finding that person. Well, friends, I want to tell you, so this is this is serious stuff. We love our kids. We love our teenagers. We want to prepare them for success in life. Um, just as God wants to prepare us for success in life. And this is what we want want you to know, that we can take heart. There is good news. We do get to enjoy our children. They are a great blessing. As we are standing up and standing for them, uh, they are going to bless us and they are going to grow us. And God is going to use our children as well to grow us to be more Christ-like. Christ always offers help and hope and grace and goodness. He is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in time of trouble, he tells us. He says he gives hope to the helpless. He gives grace. He says grace will abound to you so that all sufficiency in things at all times you may abound in every good work. We don't want you to be fearful. We do not want you to be be dismayed. We know that God is with us. He will strengthen and help us. We have to be willing to step forward, to stand up, to engage, and to communicate. And friends, we want you to know as well, if you don't have that relationship, Christ offers that relationship to you. You know our ABCs of prayer. Admit that you are a sinner. Believe that Jesus Christ is God's Son and that he had died for you. Confess your faith in Jesus Christ. Friends, if you want to talk with us, we're available on the Love Line, 512-249-6535. It has been a great Saturday with you. This is Kathy Endebrock on behalf of Coach Carrie Brinkater and Evelyn Davison. It's been a wonderful time. God bless you. We look forward to being with you again next week on Love Talk.